Welcome back, movie lovers, to another exciting episode of Cinemates, the podcast that takes you on a cinematic journey like no other. I'm your host, Mike Jose Collins, and I'm oh, so you went with the Jose today. You gotta, you gotta get that nail that down. You gotta figure. Maybe I'll just capitalize on both names. Yeah. Joined with me today, of course, is hi. I'm Jake Schultz, like always. Jake Schultz. On this episode, we have a lot to unpack. Uh, Jake has quite the movie-going experience this weekend. Hopefully by saying this weekend, we don't curse ourselves again. Yeah. With uh, Okay, you know what? We're not even going to talk about that. Uh, I I mean, to be fair, I'm wearing a weekend shirt. You are. So I kind of did this. You might have done this on purpose. I'm reinviting because we, yeah, we, we got rid of the curse, hopefully. The curse is gone. But you're really staring it in the eyes today. I know. You're really... Uh, so I'm kind of invited it back by doing this. But <laughs> fingers crossed. Everything looks good on this end. We're, yes. we're up and recording. Hello, video. Hello, video. Got the video up we're again. back with the video again. Um, let's uh, go down with what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk yeah. about some comedy movies. going to talk about some uh, experiences in the theater. And we'll touch on a little Jennifer Lawrence in this episode. But uh, I know you had... As we said earlier, quite the uh, movie going experience this okay. weekend. So why don't you? Uh, yeah. So you tell us all about it. We, Welcome to Cinemate. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> episode four. We yep. we talked that we wanted to do something about comedy, and I was like, you know what? Joyride comes out this weekend. I was like, now's the perfect time for me to go watch No Hard Feelings, and then we can do like a double feature because the Monday is a new slot for us. Not sure when it's going to come out this week, but this is the slot that we decided to record for the first episode, at least for the one week. We we're playing around with the idea of two a week. Um, so I was like, let's let's go watch this. It's, I have some catching up to do. I've been watching a lot of my stuff that I need to catch up. <laughs> and I was like, cool. They have a showtime. Went back home. So they had a showtime at 1245 at the one theater. So the, in my hometown, there's either Landmarks or there's Galaxy. So Cineplex or Landmark. Landmark, the one with the chairs, like you can lay back? No. Oh. Landmark is just basically Cineplex, but it's its own thing. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's just the two monopolies that are like kind of around. Yeah. Um, so I saw that there was a showtime at 1245. I, I saw it with my own eyes. Okay? Like for some people no might, hard feelings? For no hard feelings. Some people might be like, oh, like you maybe got it wrong. No, I, I saw it. It was on the website. It was on Adam, which is the site where you can go and see that stuff for Landmark and buy tickets. Okay. So I went there and I walked up and I was like, hey, can I get two tickets to No Hard Feelings, me and my buddy? And they were like looking at it. And then they kind of looked at each other like weird and they started smiling. And I was like, okay. And they were like, yeah, we're not playing it today. I was like, what do you mean you're not, we're not playing it? And they're like, yeah, we're just not playing it today. I was like, well, I, I saw that there was a showtime at 1245. Like, you had multiple. I was like, yeah, no, um, it got moved out. I was like, what do you mean it got moved out? This movie called Sound of Freedom took its slot. At the time, <laughs> I'm going to try to weave two of these two of these things beforehand. So we'll preface this. That's saying there's a lot of political stuff going on right now with this movie. This is not what this is trying to be. Like, this is not what we are trying to do right now. We're not picking a side. Like, this is not anything we're doing. And th- th- I'm just trying to talk about what was happening because it was strange. The way that this movie came up and kind of took over. Because earlier in the week, I saw one of these YouTubers that I subscribed to. Because I subscribed to a lot of YouTubers, movie YouTuber reviews. And he came out of this movie and was just, like, talking about it. And he was like, oh, I was sponsored by the studio angel studios to do a review of this movie and i was like oh okay i didn't really think much of it but he at the end was like if you want to see this movie yourself 
click on the link to get free tickets to go watch this movie. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's kind of interesting. Thought, thought of nothing of it. I was just like, it's a movie. I never heard of it before. So I was like, oh, okay. It got replaced. Then I went to Galaxy to go watch it. And there, it was at 12. That one was at like 1.30. And they were like, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extra screening. So it was $24. And I was like, you know what? I like comedy movies. I don't like comedy movies that much. And the only other showtime in the area was 10 p.m. <laughs> I was like, cool. So I, that was a scrap. Like I didn't go end up seeing that. Then the next day, I wake up to a lot more of my YouTubers reviewing this movie. And they all have the same thing of they were sponsored. They all worded it basically the exact same, is that they were sponsored. They were not told that they had to pick one way or the other. They just wanted publicity, and they were offered a chance to give away tickets for this movie for everyone to go see it. Okay. Then I started being like, you know, this is a little interesting. I went to go watch Joyride. That night, that on Sunday, this is Sunday now. Went to go watch Joyride. Beside me was Sound of Freedom. Okay. And the line was out the door of really? the theater for this movie. And I was like, what is this movie? Just so like captivated by what I was watching. Because I've literally, we, we did our preview for the weekend. And like we, no one said. Yeah, I didn't say I this. Never saw this. I movie. didn't say this movie because there's been nothing about this movie. And I go home and do more research on it, <laughs> and I find a lot more about the movie. So the movie is about. Uh, it stars Jim Caviezel, who has been kind of shunned out of Hollywood. He was Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. Uh, he he was shunned out of Hollywood for a while now. Comes back, and it's this low budget movie that was originally produced under Fox. So Fox had the distribution rights for it before the Disney merger. And I don't think there was a date ever settled on when it was going to be released. But once Disney got the acquisition of Fox, they actually scrapped the movie and said, no, like we're not going to put this out. Is what it is. It happens all the time. This is nothing new. The, apparently, the a lot of the people who worked on the movie, the producers and everything like that, fought to get the rights back. They got the rights back. About three months ago, this Angel Studios came in and took it, the movie, and distributed it. And I've never seen a movie grow the way that this movie has grown. It is the strangest grassroots movement I think I've seen for a movie in the longest time. Because this movie outgrossed Indiana Jones at the box office. Okay, So it released on Independence Day, first of all. Fourth of okay, July. Yeah. And it outgrossed Indiana Jones on that day. But the theaters, so it only opened in about like 2,000 theaters. It's now at 2,800 theaters. So it's growing. And its box office number is exponentially growing. And <laughs> there's a lot of controversy around this movie right now because it's based off a... I didn't say what the movie was about, did I? No. No. Yet. So it's a, a movie about... Um, this this guy based off a true story his name in the movie is sorry hold on a second here he works for his name's tim ballard so he he works for the homeland security investigations this is a real life thing where he arrests people uh with child pornography and it's, the whole movie is about this awareness about child sex slavery which is a, a very real thing it's very 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 true thing but the movie is marketing it like it is the savior of this and that it is so like the the movie that Hollywood doesn't want you to watch. 
and that it's been stopped forever and people are not we're not allowing you to get it and the stuff that i'm seeing online surrounding this movie is very much so people coming up with a bunch of theories of Hollywood not wanting you to watch it. So one of the most popular ones I saw was AMC and Regal, the two big ones in the States. People were seeing that these theaters were sold out, this, that, this, that. And they were going in and there was only like six or seven people in the theaters and there was no AC. And they were saying that the people in this, the theaters refused to Turn put the, the AC, AC on. And... The, the main thing, let's just, let me just play this video. So this is at the end of the movie. This, I think this encompasses kind of what I'm trying to talk about, how strange this whole thing is, is that at the end of the movie, Jim Caviezel comes up on screen again and is speaking to the audience. And so I have the clip here. I'm going to play it. I'm not going to show it to the video because that's how I get copyrighted. But I'll, I'll play the sound. It's about three minutes. So we'll listen to it and then uh, just digest it. Sound good to you? Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's. Uh, this is the end of Sound of Freedom. Yeah, this pops up at the end of the movie. Yes. I want to thank you all for coming out and watching this movie. I'm guessing some of you are feeling sad, maybe overwhelmed, or even a sense of fear, which is understandable. But living in fear isn't how we solve this problem. It's living in hope. It's believing that we can make a difference because we can. But I want to make one thing clear. This movie you just watched isn't about me or Tim Ballard. It's about those kids. You know, Steve Jobs once said, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. Abraham Lincoln credited Harriet Stowe when she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. This powerful story inspired millions to rise up and fight against slavery. I think we can make Sound of Freedom the Uncle Tom's Cabin of 21st century slavery. This film was actually made five years ago wasn't released till now with every roadblock that you can imagine being tossed in the way and the names you see here on the screen took a stand and they made sure this story could be shown to all of you and now all of you have the opportunity to continue telling this story we don't have big studio money to market this movie but we have you and the baton has now been passed to you you are the storytellers that can get people to come see this film in theaters when you come to a theater, you experience movies differently. There is no pause button. There are no distractions. We all have an experience as we watch the film together as a community. It makes it possible for strong messages like this one to take root. Sound of Freedom is a hero's tale, but I'm not talking about the character I play. It's the heroic brother and sister in this film that work to save each other. They are the true heroes. The most powerful person in this world is the storyteller. Together, we have a chance to make these two kids and the countless children that they represent the most powerful people in the world by telling their story in a way only the cinema can do. For a couple of months, while Sound of Freedom is in theaters, these kids can be more powerful than the cartel kingpins or presidents or congressmen or even tech billionaires. We believe this movie has the power to be a huge step forward toward ending child trafficking, but it will only have that effect if millions of people see it. Now, I know it's weird because we're in a theater, but feel free to pull out your phones and scan this QR code 
we don't want finances to be the reason someone doesn't see this movie. So Angel Studios boldly has set up a pay it forward program where you can pay for someone else's ticket who might not otherwise see it. If you're able, we invite you to pay it forward by buying a ticket for someone else. Or if your budget is tight, share the already available free tickets with as many friends as you can, or do both. Join us and millions of others as we ring sound of freedom and hope throughout the world. And just remember this, God's children are not for sale. That is what plays at the end of the movie. Um, it might be the strangest thing I've ever heard at the end of a movie. And initial reactions is that I'm like, the whole thing in at face value, when you're looking at that this is a movie about child sex trafficking, we've seen movies like this before. It's not an uncalled, like it's not an unheard of idea for a movie. No, we had a blockbuster franchise taken. Right. And I see what Angel Studios is doing because they're also saying like, okay, like all the money for this movie will be going back towards uh, the the charity that Tim Ballard started off the charity the the company that Tim Ballard started off, and because he has a company that is in support of this, I just feel a little unnerved by all of this a little bit. I don't I don't really know what it is. I think it's whether it's just all of the stuff I'm seeing online of these reviews of the movie all sounding really the same and very much so focused on yeah. the, the 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 idea of the movie rather than. Like I've seen nothing review wise of what this movie no. actually is. It's all the same type of stuff and touting it as a movie that they don't want you to see. And it's it's such an interesting thing that came out of nowhere because we've never seen this in Hollywood ever. There's never been a low budget movie like this that has come out and has followed a grassroots movement to outgrossing major blockbusters in the heat of summer, might I add. This is the dead of summer movie season. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And there's the controversies around it and everything like that, especially Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel. They have a little bit of history with certain groups, religious groups. Um, it's weird. It's it's a strange thing. Uh, I know I just threw a lot at you, Mike. <laughs> But that was so. This is what I learned this weekend was I kind of got sucked down the void of Sound of Freedom and learning about this movie and learning about everything else about it. Yeah, um, currently sits at five out of five on Common Sense, ninety-seven percent on Google users, seventy-seven on Rotten Tomatoes, which went down. So yes, it, was it was really, really high. high. I think it was like ninety-seven yesterday, hundred percent. And audience all part. of the trailers on YouTube will tell you that it has that rating because Angel has been constantly updating their thumbnails with new Rotten Tomato scores and saying tickets are selling out and like get your limited tickets now. Mm-hmm. Uh, every review doesn't mention anything other than go see this movie. Yeah. This looks like fake reviews. Right? It feels very fake with everything, but it is, it's real. It grossed $40 million. Through the pay it forward way too, right? Yeah. That's wild. It's crazy, is it not? <laughs> um, it is. This seems like a fever dream. And that's why I said I had this really weird, unnerved feeling with it. There's it, something sketchy about whatever is going on here. I can't put my, like, it's strange. It's really weird. And 
especially seeing like people lined up for this movie to go see it and the idea that this is like Hollywood is isolating mm-hmm. the movie and that they had no marketing and everything like that but newsflash you're not a major blockbuster studio you're not a major studio you're not going to get marketing yeah that's nothing new ever new just the idea that they've been able to cultivate a following like this that I haven't seen really for a movie in ever like this is so one time special feeling in like the weirdest way possible you know it's interesting will you go see it (sighs) (laughs) do I want to see it like this piques my interest what what part about it is it the the reactions that people are giving it that's piquing your interest or the movie because the movie like I've we've seen stuff yeah. like this well I guess I'll address this I'm a very big fan of faith based movies okay I uh, probably uh, have seen every single one that's on streaming mm. on Netflix uh, Prime if, if it's a faith based movie big fan yep. do I think they're good movies no okay um, so it does pique my interest for that reason uh, I do find it funny that uh, this I mean, we're, I'm not saying it's a QAnon movie or anything, okay? I'm not saying anything like that. Um, this movie does seem like it has an agenda, which I find like a lot of people have an issue, especially if the claims are that Hollywood is hiding a movie like this. Uh, but people who would say that would also say Hollywood always is pushing a, an agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie seems to be going that direction as well. I have a lot of friends who are like very impartial with everything and they like go in some of them were actually just interested to see the movie in general because they're like oh they didn't know all the other stuff with the movie yeah which is what you should be seeing a movie for regardless right it's not supposed to be this of course do you think it loses its credibility what do you mean with all the stuff around it right now would you go into this could you like get rid of that when you go if you went to go watch this movie could i get rid of it (sighs) i i would try to i think I think that I'm the f- the ev- everything I've seen around the movie and a lot of the flags and what I've heard mm-hmm. objective like object uh, what I heard like I was what my point was I was trying to say was I I heard objectively the movie's fine okay like the movie is just like it's nothing special it doesn't show anything as Something well we've seen before right it doesn't show anything and which I guess is good but the there's a lot of implicate implying and there's a lot of certain things that a lot of people aren't fans of in the movie. But they're saying the movie is whatever. It's everything else around it that is putting me off from the movie. Okay. And I think this weird online, seeing everyone reviewing the movie the exact same way, not yeah. talking about anything, it just feels strange to me. And I don't know if I want to go seems to that. Black Mirror-y. A little bit. A little bit. It's, it's weird. I mean, it worked. Angel Studios yeah. got what they wanted which was people to go see this movie and people to latch on to it i just i haven't seen it like this ever for a movie ever no this is very bizarre i've never seen an actor come onto the screen after the movie's ended telling you to pull out your phone scan a qr code to get tickets for people to watch the movie because no one else can see it and this is in big movie theaters yeah this it's, isn't like it's a- push it's it's growing it's growing and it took over no hard feelings to slots this weekend that's wild it's insane i've never seen this happen and there was an actual lineup around the door yeah that is, I mean, that's something. I do feel like we should see this movie. <laughs> Sorry to say. I, I we mean, might need to watch this. I do try to see every movie that comes out this year. It, it, that's, this just, <laughs> that's a bold 
but who? Well, like most most things, you know that like yeah. that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of years. Like everything that I really want to see, like I'll put on my list. I'll miss a couple ones. You you want to see this? Is that's really? <laughs> I do. Okay. Yeah. Do I want to pay for it? No. Well, but you don't free, have to. It's there. You go. Someone else will pay for um, it. Um. But yeah. Yeah. So that was my piques my interest. That was my experience, and me learning about all that was honestly really fascinating, because <laughs> it it came out of nowhere, and seeing it all grow around me while I was learning about it at the same time, like this is only going to continue to grow until yeah. it till it doesn't. Like let's let's be yeah. honest, this isn't going to last more than a month, maybe. Yeah, but it's interesting. That's for sure. It is uh, an uh, an odd case study on. Can you promote a movie? It's listen. It, it's weird. It's weird. I think that's you. Based on your story, all I can come come out with that is that is a weird thing that's happening. Yeah. Am I against that? I don't know. Might have to see it. Do you think it sets up a precipice for movies in the future that they're going to see this and they're going to be able to be like, our small movie could maybe take the same approach? Uh, I hope not. Yeah. I don't think so. I think marketing is I think it's a, one-time a very thing. important thing. Yeah, but it's crazy that this came from zero marketing to Taking all you see about this, online. Yeah. I I don't think you can. Mm. I think only with a movie like this in this day and age that you could promote it like that. Yeah. Wow. But I don't like if Harry Potter was an indie movie, you couldn't promote it like that. No, that's tr- that's true. Uh, it is fascinating. It's gonna go down as one of like the bigger mysteries of the year, and it. It's on its way to becoming one of the big, most like one of the better grossing movies of the summer because the summer has been a massive disappointment, huge disappointment. Forty million dollars in one week <laughs> off a movie that no one heard about two no. weeks ago. That's crazy, ridiculous. I pr- actually wild. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I just want to share that because <laughs> I thought that was really interesting, and I mean that's crazy. Yeah, we'll take a peek at it. You drag me to the theater one way or the other. I am. Uh, but the movie you did saw, see, movie you did saw. You want to try that again? <laughs> the movie you did see. Yes. Thoughts? Yeah, so I saw Joyride. Mm-hmm. And this was a movie that was, a lot of people were talking about this coming out of its debut. I believe, where did it debut? Was it Sundance? I believe it was Sundance. No, South by Southwest is where it had its debut. A lot of people praising it for its humor and like its heart and the performances, like most comedy movies nowadays, I feel like the the good ones, th- those are the ones that are getting praised for like those types of things. Yeah, and I really liked it. I thought it was following a path of movies we don't really see a lot in theaters anymore, which are these raunchy comedy movies that mm-hmm. aren't afraid to make your lead characters jokey, but not fully be the butt of jokes of care of jokes. Which is a lot of what I think is that what the smart comedies do is they're not willing to just make your characters unbelievably stupid and not fun because you're just they're the butts of jokes of every single one. Yeah. You like the characters. And I think they, Joyride does it really well. It took me a bit to get into it. I will say that. I think the first 30 minutes or so are not as strong as the latter half of the movie. And I think that's just partially because they're getting settled into everything. The premise of this movie is that uh, Audrey was adopted with white parents and she lives in Seattle with her best friend Lulu and she was trying to figure out 
or she was trying to get land a deal, and she had to go to China to land a deal. So she went with Lolo, with Lolo, and two Lolo's cousin and their friend, or Audrey's friend, who lived in China and was a movie star, and they were going to try to land this deal. But it ended up being more of a self-discovery journey of going to find her her mom, her real mom, not her adopted mom, and grow from there. And it's something we've we've seen stuff like that before, but I think it's handled really well, and it has heart. It's really sweet. It's funny. Again, the jokes, I think the first 30 minutes or so of the jokes aren't great. There's a drug scene, which there is in every single comedy movie nowadays. It feels yeah. like everyone has a drug scene. It's not good. But after that scene is when I really started to land with it. I think that the whole cast is really, really good. I was I was actually really impressed by Ashley Park. I haven't seen a lot of her. She was in Beef this year. She was really good in this movie. I think the clear standout, not even close, was Sabrina Wu as Deadeye. They were hilarious. As someone who has not acted before, they're, they're a stand-up comedian. So funny. So funny. I was on the ground like laughing at some of the things <laughs> that we're saying. And that's another thing. Like, this is another laugh-out-loud comedy. We don't see those a lot nowadays. No. Especially like intense, raunchy, laugh-out-loud comedies. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Hell yeah. I'll give that a watch. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. Nice. That was my rating. Uh, Yeah, so... Last week or the week before, I saw No Hard Feelings too, and I I wanted to get your opinion on this. Regardless of how I felt about the movie and if I thought it was funny or if I thought it was a good movie, it felt really good to go to a theater and watch a comedy surrounded by people. Yeah, it, it it's just a better experience than being at home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's like four people in my theater, but <laughs> oh, really? which was sad. It was a Sunday morning, okay, so okay. understandable. But I agree. Like, what comedies have we seen with packed theaters recently? Knives Out and Glass Onion. And even Glass Onion was on Netflix. Yeah. And That's is Knives it. Out really a raunchy comedy? No, but it is a comedy. But that, that goes into, like, comedies aren't seen at the box office at all. Yeah. Ever. They're so, they're like a lost genre because people don't go out and support them. No. And I'm glad that No Hard Feelings was getting good box office. Well, until Sound of Freedom. Until Sound of Freedom came in and took it. But, uh, but w- one thing I did notice about, especially No Hard Feelings, is even Joyride doesn't really fall into this category, but a big-time actor or actress doing a movie like this, we also really don't see anymore. Well, whether you agree... I, I Sure, Stephanie Hsu is up, getting up there. She was just nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So, not lead, though. So, I, I get your point. Jennifer Lawrence is at least at one point, was one of the most popular actresses in the world. Uh, So this movie, it felt very nostalgic. It felt like I was watching like a 90s sort of raunchy movie. Yeah. Um, If you don't know, it's about this woman who lives in Montauk. Uh, It's a very Montauk movie. Like the whole thing is Montauk. Mm. Um, And then she's sort of, She's trying to keep her childhood home, and all these people are driving up the um, prices of Montauk. It's, it's sort of centered around gentrification. That part doesn't really hit, so it doesn't really work, that part of the movie. But uh, she wants to keep her childhood home, and she lost her car, and she's an Uber driver for the summer, which is where she makes her most money. And she wants to, or she, her car gets impounded, so she finds this thing on Craigslist where these sort of helicopter parents are like, you know, date my child. He's like a ni- 18, 19 year old boy, and she's. 32 which can be a little weird Mm. uh, but they do it well uh it's by the same dude who did jury duty have you seen jury duty i've not 
but I, he's also the good boys guy, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, not at all the same style of comedy. Okay. Uh, but both are very good. Um, <clears throat> it felt like it tried to embrace a little too many audiences. Um, it was either going to be sort of a raunchy movie, but then it sort of tried to be this progressive portrayal of how we see our culture, which I didn't really didn't really work for me. And the third act sort of falls apart, but the ending. I liked, there's a lot of people who did not like the ending of this movie, but I, I did like it. It dabbles in a little bit of rom-com. There's some rom-com-y moments, but it's not a rom-com. It's a raunchy movie. Um, and parts of this th- that I really enjoyed are that it's about two stages of your life sort of put into one. I think it, it really, it's put through the eyes of the kid, Percy, uh, which is played by Andrew Barth Feldman, who does probably the best job in this movie. Um, over Jennifer Lawrence? Over Jennifer Lawrence, yes. Whoa. Um, but it is ma- mainly about Jennifer Lawrence, but it's put through the eyes of him. Um, and then there's this scene. That's where he's from. I knew I recognized him somewhere. What's he from? He He's a Broadway guy. He oh, was, he took over Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Oh, he's really, really good. He's quite funny. Um, it's a really interesting piece because it's sort of about this woman who's relatively young she's 32 um but she's in sort of an environment where there's younger people than her um and it's her sort of navigating that world which i thought we we also don't really see a lot of those types of movies and then it sort of hits its climax at this part where she goes to a party like a high school party and her figuring that out is it's quite it's quite funny it's a very good scene um is that the throw punch scene yes (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, the climax of the movie a climax of that oh, specific that, thing that I'm that, talking about. Oh, okay. Where it's yeah, like yeah. her navigating that world. Yeah. Um, but one thing I want to talk to you about is how do you find film... This is not my question. I do have a good question for you. But this this is just a question. Another. How do you find that film critics and sort of... You're a, you're big and you're more into film than I'd say I am. and You're more of a hardo about it. It's um, <laughs> an interesting way of describing me. A hardo? A hardo. Um... <laughs> How do you find that people who really, really enjoy movies or reviewing films see comedy movies? Because I find that, especially reflected in reviews, unless a comedy movie is inherently progressive, like a progressive movie that you go see, they don't really reflect in reviews, regardless of how funny they are. I think it's hard. I think comedy is such a hard genre to even go through nowadays because everything is being watched through the perspective of our current culture, right? Everything is super, like, you. It, it's hard to navigate and be inherently, like, you, like, how many old movies have you seen that have aged poorly? Because... A ton, a ton. Right. And I think that it's difficult now for people to put out comedies because a lot of them just tow, like, go straight and just do basic unfunny things because they're afraid to kind of push a little bit. And I find that a lot of the movies that I, at least I, I think... Sure, they have like the progressive nature. Like Booksmart's one of my favorite comedies, but it's is progressive, but it also is like really adherently funny at the mm-hmm. same time. Same with Good Boys, I found. Yeah, it it there is this line that I think they are able to tow while being progressive that I think puts them above to where yeah. I think people really enjoy them a lot more. But I think my main I agree with you there, but I just don't find it reflected in film critics. I just think because like what comedy movies are coming out that you are even seeing people like put out most reviews because a lot, 90% of them are coming out on Netflix and yeah. being dumped there that no one is watching. And they're these low budget, low effort 
films in general that no one cares about. Like Netflix has probably dumped at least 30 comedy movies this year that no one's watching. No. They all feel like they're written by AI. Right. And I think the ones that stand out are these progressive comedy movies, at least currently. Yeah. And there's a reason that a lot of them are getting theatrical releases and all these really good ones. I think that's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. It's I like I don't think we'll ever be at the point where we'll just have 2000 comedy movies coming out again. I just find like movies like this it's hard for people to enjoy them sometimes because like when you go see a comedy movie especially in theaters you really have to check your like child like your juvenilism I guess is that a word at the door yeah. you know like you have to accept that what you're seeing like a movie like um like Wedding Crashers mm. that movie doesn't age well no they're like they're perverts they're gross people <laughs> they're they're basically committing crimes let's right. be honest um, but to accept that that movie is funny and to rewatch a movie like that, you have to accept the premise of the film. Mm-hmm. And I find that when people go see comedy movies now, they don't really do that. You have to accept the world that you're going to see. Like this movie, I'm not going to recommend to someone over 30. This mm-hmm. is a kid's movie. Yeah. It, it it looks like it's hitting towards like that teenage demographic. Yeah. Is this going to be my favorite movie of the year? No. No. But if this was like some high school student's favorite movie i would completely understand that and i feel like as the older i get i'm sort of aging out of this and maybe that's why comedy movies also aren't doing well i'm sort of aging out of the the range that these movies are made for maybe i think it's hard like i was saying i think it's really hard to just make a good comedy nowadays and it's difficult especially with the idea that why why would you make a comedy movie if they're not going to do well at the box office yeah, and what what are you ultimately aiming for? Because it's either you get on Netflix and you get dumped into the void that is eternal, never gonna find, and it's probably not very good, or you get picked up because this had a, a bidding war with like yeah. major studios. Apple bid for it, which Apple doesn't take many, very many movies, and when they do, they're usually very good. It's it's hard. It's hard to justify why you're making these movies, and that's why I think that when you see the ones that are coming out of Booksmart or Good Good Boys or No Hard Feelings, or Joyride, they all have these levels of progressiveness to them that make them, like, that push them above, Mm -hmm. but also are still able to hold that feeling that we felt. It's just a very interesting time right now for comedy movies, I think. I find those movies culturally culturally irrelevant, too. I don't think Booksmart was. No. I think Booksmart has held on very Um, well. Which is why I find, like, I want these more of these raunchy sort of you want more American you want, pie movies. You want good disposable movies. Yes. Because we're getting garbage disposable exactly. movies. Yeah. I want some effort. Some I don't thought. think we, I don't think we will. No. I genuinely don't think we will. And it it sucks because who doesn't want to just throw on a garbage but still like funny movie on a Saturday night with your friends? Yeah. Instead that you're only getting the good ones that have like you were saying, like have this progressive nature. Versus awful, just awful stuff that you can't, that aren't, that's just totally unwatchable. It's strange. It is strange. It's this very interesting time. And I would love to see both. I think there could be a world where both exist. I just don't think there's an appetite for it mm-hmm. at the box office anymore. Um, so, yeah, I think we're both in agreement of where we want to see comedy movies. I, want, I just want fun <laughs> comedy <laughs> movies. I'm fun, like, I, I just want more in general. I want more at, in theatrical release. And I want a d- more diverse more diversity with them like i i just want to be able to go like you know what i would kill for a new adam sandler movie in theaters that's a comedy yeah 
In theaters. Yeah, in theaters. I don't want this Netflix deal anymore. Well, that's that's not going to stop because you know how much money he's getting paid for this Netflix deal. A lot. A lot of money. Yeah. Um, but that brings me to my actual question that I wanted to propose to you. Because yeah. I thought about this, and I thought about this hard. Jennifer Lawrence has a bad career. This is the first movie that I understood Jennifer Lawrence. Go take a peek at her IMDb, and let's go through here. So she started in TV comedy, right? Yep. And then she was never cast for something like that again until this movie, which is a movie she produced, by the way. Um, she sort of got her big break in The Hunger Games. Got the Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook. Did the X-Men franchise. Dabbled in, I think, Passengers was probably her biggest mistake. Mother, very controversial split between the both ways and red sparrow she tried to sort of change her image uh yeah so first of all let's go to silver linings playbook here sure how do you feel about that movie i haven't seen it in a oh, while okay but i do really like oh it. in a while you've seen the movie i have okay. I, I do like it um this is one of my favorite movies i love silver Linings playbook yeah. i'm a big eagles fan mm. bradley cooper's probably my favorite actor um she was cast really, really young for that movie. And a character with that much depth and trauma did not come across in her performance at all for me, personally. She won the Oscar. She did win the Oscar. I thought she was given that movie way too early, and I thought, sort of like, <laughs> it's Bradley Cooper's Oscar, I'll be honest. He gave her that Oscar based on that performance. I just don't think she was right for that part at all. Um, any thoughts? It's an interesting take. I don't think I necessarily agree with it. I think it's a one-two punch of the two of them. I think I love both of them in that movie. Bradley Cooper, I do think, stood out a little bit more to me. Who won the? Because he was nominated that year. Who won that year? I'm not sure. Let me. I can check. You can keep talking a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, and she tried American Hustle, which. Uh, well, that that tried to follow the coattails of tough movie. Silver Living Playbook, and that's when David O. Russell, a lot of the stuff started to come out about David O. Russell. And yeah, did you like that movie? No. It felt like everyone was trying to outact each other the whole time, so it was kind of fun for that. It wasn't a very good movie. No, uh, yeah, David O. Russell hasn't done anything no. nearly of substance since. I also David o. Russell probably shouldn't be making movies anymore, but everyone keeps joining his movies for some reason. Anyway, she <laughs> felt um, out of place in that movie. Okay. Uh, but it was fun to see her do that. Passengers was terrible. I'll say that. I don't know if you've seen Passengers. I dodged Passengers. <laughs> Bad movie. She did the X-Men franchise, which she did well. She's she great in those she movies. She was blue. She was blue. She was very blue. Uh, have you seen Mother? I have seen Mother. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis won Best Actor. We should have known Of course. So what, fair, Lincoln? Fair enough. Yep. Of course. <laughs> um, I mean, you can't really argue that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Mother? I like it. I like it a lot. The metaphor is like, it's really in your face, but yeah, it's also like kind of fun at Which the same metaphor? time. Uh, the the she's Mary and the kids Jesus. Yeah. It's fun. It, it like it's a fun idea of the movie. I again, it's been a while since I've seen. I've only seen it once since it came out, but that also is very much in tone with a lot of things that, um, 
that Darren Aronofsky does. He really loves making a lot of faith-based yeah. metaphors in his movie, especially The Whale. If you've seen The Whale, he, he's that, that, there's nothing new in his filmography. But I thought that the movie is uh, like for a thriller, and that keeps you like kind of guessing a little bit while you like might have an idea where it goes. I didn't fully get it until the very end, and it was like kind of like extremely like wow, and it showed you everything. Yeah. But I remember just being like, "Whoa, <laughs> it's crazy." Do you think it was more mostly the religious tones about that movie that that's what it was about? Because I got a completely different read on that. What did you get? I thought it was more so about Darren Aronofsky and Jennifer Lawrence's relationship in real life, and how an actress dating. A filmmaker is almost like dating God. Were they dating? Yeah. So I, I didn't know that. Okay, then rewatch the movie and look at all the tabloid that happened around that movie. You'll understand that movie far more. Interesting. I will not. I'll I'll let you do that. Uh, she tried Red Sparrow. Did you see Red Sparrow? <laughs> also, didn't work for me. I watched I think thirty um, minutes of that movie. Don't look up. I don't hate Don't Look Up as much as a lot of other people do. I did not like this movie. I thought she was good in it. Funny parts. Yeah. I didn't think she it was didn't good utilize, in it. Movie. It didn't utilize her comedy skills as fully, and it's more of a showcase for Leo. Well, name a is. movie that does. That's exactly what I'm saying. Every like clip we get from any press tour, anything, she's this she's goofy. So funny. She's so funny. She's yeah. so goofy, and we've never seen it in any one of these movies. I don't it's think true. she's used properly in anything until this movie. Um, don't look up. I thought it sucked, but uh, Leo, I actually really liked what Leo was doing. It was great in that movie. Um, but yeah, so just going through all of these, like I can't find any good use or any way that she used her talent here. Um, I just don't think this is a very good career, especially for someone who, if you ever go see this movie, really, really funny. And this is exactly what I want her to pivot to. I well, I think you're gonna get it. I, think, I hope so. I think she's going to start pivoting and being a lot more picky with what she picks in movies and everything. Co- have you seen Causeway? No. Causeway's really good. It was her comeback film. Well, that don't came out last don't year, look right? up, but I, I count Causeway as her her comeback film. Okay, I'll give that a peek. She's really good in it. It's a lot more of a subtle performance, and I think that's it's one of my favorite performances she's done. Brian Tyree Henry got nominated just, for the Oscar for that one. It's not much of a it doesn't leave an goofy? impression on you movie. No, okay. it's not goofy at all. It's a serious okay, yeah. movie. But I, it's interesting because I, I never really thought of it that way. That yeah, she is this really, she's really funny. charismatic, funny presence everywhere she goes online. And there's a reason everyone fell in love with her, and that was because more of her off-camera persona. Exactly. It's weird. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That she. I think they just pushed her too early in her career. There's a reason. Like she, she took had a break. the Oscar, and then, like she was sort of pushed as this dramatic, leading woman when. She works. Her personality works as a goofy, funny person. Yeah. I, well, I know a lot of people are going to disagree because they think the Hunger Games is like the best thing since sliced bread. But I wasn't a huge Hunger Games fan in general. So I rewatched those actually pretty recently. Uh, the first movie, it's pretty good. Yeah. All of the others, Catch, horrible. I like horrible Catching movie. Fire the most. <laughs> Catching Fire is really good. Mocking Jays aren't good. Bad I, movies. Bad movies. She's good in them. She's yeah. She's fine. She's, uh, she never has like a bad performance. No, I just find so many of these movies that she's done, you could replace her with somebody else. And it might make it better. Mm. And, and this, that's not, I'm not, that, I'm not that saying she's bad. I really like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Like, I think she's incredibly talented. She's one of my favorite people out there. I just don't think this is a good career. 
and I am a hardo. I'm gonna keep using that word. I don't you know what that see, means. You need to, I don't be know, offensive. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I love to... people who, with Oscars. If someone has an Oscar, I'm more likely to go see a movie. I will be honest. I am uh, a big ho- Oscar guy. Um, uh, hardo is a person who tries extremely hard at everything. It says okay. slang derogatory. Oh. Hardo bad? <laughs> True Hardo is a person who doesn't take anything seriously. This is from E Financial Careers. Bar still has a skit on it, so it can't be that bad. Okay, okay. I don't know what it means. I don't know I'm what it means stop. either. I'm going to take I, it out of I, my You, you said you I, were going to use it as your word. I don't think yeah, you should just to be it safe. It could be bad. Uh, anyway, uh it's an interesting. It's an interesting take. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective because I I agree. I don't think she's had the best career, which is upsetting because when I grew up, I really liked her because she was being thrown in everything. Yeah. And I think you're right. She does, aside from Silver Linings Playbook, which is still obviously to her career. I know you say no hard feelings is the best usage of her. Her best performance is Silver Linings Playbook. She peaked, and I disagree. She peaked early. She did peak early, and I think she peaked very early. The break was probably a very good thing. I think that it gave her time to kind of go away and reset a little bit and give people more of a chance to miss her because a lot of people did miss her when she left. I I, I know I did because I even though her movies that were coming out weren't fantastic, especially towards the end, like that that stretch of Red Sparrow, Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix. And Passengers was <laughs> Dark Phoenix and Passengers. Were well, horrible. Dark Phoenix shouldn't have she, came out to begin. She dies with. pretty early. Let's be, let's. Spoiler alert! You remember that? I don't. Even, I remember. She nothing gets out of the movie Dark pretty Phoenix. early. I remember. She seems pretty checked out. I, well, everyone in that movie is checked out. That is, those X Men movies have the best casts I've ever seen of like a 2010s yeah. oh, movie. Oh, incredible! And by the end, they just Nobody killed. <laughs> they killed like those first two movies. Go back and watch First Class and Days of Future Past. They're great movies. Yeah, they're really fun. It's a young cast. They're really good. Charlie McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, if, be even Beast. Yeah, who who plays Beast? He's the what's it? Rose Burns in those movies too. Oh, the British guy. Yeah, we know who you're talking. We're, you Skins. Know, yeah. Skins guy. Nicholas Holt. No, Fraser Crane. Oh, Nicholas Holt <laughs> is in, in those movies. It is Kelsey Grammer in the originals, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I I think I kind of like inclined to agree with you a little bit. And I, I'm, I hope, like I haven't seen the movie yet, but I probably will agree with you because I... Even you saying that, like looking back at this thing, there's no, she's not funny in any of these movies. They're not using her humor. And if more movies are able to capitalize on, like how many we've seen so many movies that have really charismatic leads, and I don't think they're using the charismatic side right yeah. properly. Uh, when That's you, a good. When idea. you do watch No Hard Feelings, try to think of any other actress who could play that part, and I don't think you can name one. You know who I've started to love a lot more as a comedic role? Who? Rose Byrne. The person from Neighbors and Neighbors Platonic, Platonic. Yeah, you mentioned that. One. She's really charismatic, and she kind of reminds it's me. Very of, funny. Really reminds me of Jennifer Lawrence in a lot of ways, and yeah, I, yeah. that's why I wish that there is more of. I wish there was more of that, and I think that hopefully this is a start to that. She's a little aged out of the these type of roles, though. Would you say? Is she? She still looks the same. She does. She still looks literally the same way she did when she broke in when she was twenty. Mm-hmm. I love I love Jennifer. I just like I want her in everything too, and I just think Hollywood did it yeah. wrong. I, yeah, that's that's basically and if where she's I'm at able, with her. Like she's done three small movies in a row, Bread and Roses, which is she's a producer for that one. But I know she's like she's she's picking her projects like smaller, and that's good. Yeah, 
gives her more of a chance to do what she wants to do. She can still have her serious Oscar roles in Causeway, but if they're going to be able to capitalize on that with no hard feelings and beyond, I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah. Use her right. She's really, really talented. She is. Do you want to go over what's coming out this week? Didn't you have a question for me? I did, and then I forgot it because <laughs> there's been so much that's been happening in the last couple of days. Hey, man, we, we knocked a lot of stuff off today. We did um, knock a lot of stuff off. But, yes, I think what we want to, before we go into what's coming out, what we want to say is go to the movies, support the mo- types of movies that you want to see. Yeah. Like, I said this when Joker came out. I didn't want to go see Joker in theaters because I didn't really care for another movie like that. Go see these movies. They're funny. We want to laugh. I miss laughing. It's just we need diversity. We need a lot of box office. I'm sick of these big action movies. And I I know people say that a lot of that is Marvel's fault. I don't think it's Marvel's fault. You can't put every soul blame on Marvel. You can't. It's the movies. Those are the movies that we're choosing to go see. Go see these movies. I miss a good twenty million dollar budget movie. Even No Hard Feelings had $45 million. Damn. Give me a good, like, Matt Damon two, early 2000s movie. Yeah, you got one earlier this year in air. Yeah, there you go. And people went out and saw it. Boom. Go see those movies. It's int- The box office is at such a interesting point in its lifespan in that when COVID happened, it was, like, peak all time because Avengers Endgame just happened. All these movies came out that everyone's like, yeah, like the height of everyone going out to see yeah. everything that was blockbuster, Jurassic World, all this stuff. Since the theaters came back, it was looking like I, I follow Dan Merle. If no one knows who Dan Merle is, he's a really smart YouTuber that has been in the industry for a while and actually breaks down the box office. It's called Charts with Dan. It's a really interesting segment that he does on his YouTube channel. Then I've been following that since COVID. And following the trajectory of the box office and seeing where it's at right now is interesting because everyone's like, oh, it's superhero fatigue. And that was getting the sole blame for a while now. But all of these other movies have come out this year and they're flopping. Non- the Flash yeah. flopped. Indiana Jones flopped. And we're seeing this summer Transformers didn't do great. It's only past $400 million, which I know is a lot like the, since Michael Bay left, there hasn't been as much of an appetite for Transformers, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> Because I think he just burned everyone out on that trip franchise. But these movies are not, they're not doing well at the box office. And it's like a little scary, if I'm honest, because this is what a lot of people, like when your theater owners are looking at, are these big tentpole movies exactly. to hold yourself up during times of this. But this is the summer. Like the summer is supposed to be the time where all of these movies come yeah. out in a row and they, kill the box office like last year top gun came in and basically saved yeah the box office avatar avatar but it so it rode a wave from top gun and avatar and guardians all these movies like it, it reached past 2019 peak and I, I, and now it's skyrocketed down to below 2010 peak which but, is i mean is even scary. last year though there was there were no blockbusters there were three movies that's not true those are the only movies people went to see in theaters that's not true at all what other movies came out uh, so Those were really the only big blockbuster movies. Avatar. So Jurassic World grossed a bill. So that's three. Three movies grossed a billion. Yeah. Two more passed nine hundred million, which is the rise of Gru and Doctor Strange, and then Black Panther eight hundred fifty nine. Top ten. The 
Uh, I mean, I mean, after eight, I don't know. After eight, it goes it goes down hard. Yeah, because number ten is Puss in Boots, too, which is a great movie if you haven't seen. But it, that one has less than five hundred mil. Yeah. So, I'm just saying it, it, it's a scary time. It it feels like it's getting a little bit dire. Yeah. <laughs> because the top ten this year is Mario Bros with 1.3 bill. That was obvious that it was going to be due to the level it did. And probably not to the like the, the the success that it has, but that's why everyone's like, "Oh, the box office is fine because it was riding the wave of everyone coming to see." Mm-hmm. Guardians 8.3 or 8, 800 million. Oh, I can't speak. 839 million dollars. Fast X somehow some way still 700 million dollars. <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse, which god, god bless Across the Spider-Verse, 650 million dollars. Incredible. And then it kind of tapers off because Little Mermaid is a success, but these Disney live action movies were once seen as a time where they were guaranteed a billion dollars. Yeah. $500 million. Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Media, $476 million. And that rode a $250 million weekend debut. So it completely tapered off. John McChapter 4, a, a success at the box office, $400 million. Transformers, Rise of the Beats, 400. Creed, 9. Creed nine, <laughs> they skipped a lot of. At number nine is Creed, with two hundred and seventy, and then ten is the Flash, with two hundred and sixty. So yeah, there's a ta- there's a some there's something happening here, where people aren't coming like people aren't going to the theaters right now, and it's it's weird because it's like, I want to see diversity, but also when the big tentpole movies aren't doing well, what's gonna happen? Yeah, like we've seen the flash bombing with, with or without all the controversy that's happened, the flash bombing is a disaster, an absolute disaster for the box office because they put so much into trying to get this thing back because they ballooned to a three hundred million dollar budget, and grossing two hundred sixty one million dollars is awful. Indiana Jones, same thing, three hundred million dollar budget, bombed. They should have known that movie was gonna bomb though. Should they have? Every other <laughs> Indiana Jones movie, gro- like the fourth one, Crystal Skull wasn't good and it still grossed a crap ton of money. Yeah, that's fair. So it's 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 weird because we're saying like support all these smaller movies, but at the same time, these big movies are also not doing well. And with the strike coming up, with the strike happening, it's putting Hollywood in a really strange position because yeah. it feels like the exhibition market is really like towing the line right now. And I'm I'm worried. I'm worried as someone who loves going to the movies. And I know we're sitting on the back-to-back-to-back of Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Mission Impossible. That This is the test, is these three movies coming up. Starting this week, Mission Impossible. That's the test. Because yeah. if this movie cannot get people in the theaters, Barbie will. Like Bar- we, we know Barbie will. Barbie is probably going to be a massive success. If Mission Impossible cannot, riding the coattails of Top Gun Maverick, get people in the theater and see it and set records, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about the future of the exhibition market in the movie theaters because it's getting real, real sketchy out there. Yeah. I feel like it's going to end up with the blockbuster movie just going to be like going to a Broadway play or something. <laughs> it's like a rich thing you do like once a month, or but like only select people will do it. Yeah. It's a tiny thing. It'll be like a $100 well, ticket. It's just all people have known for the past... 18 years yeah. is blockbusters and it feels like it's like slightly changing but also not at the same time it's no. weird it's in a, such a weird flux right now and I don't really know what to think about it I find too with like Oscar movies they don't 
really pick up on. No one sees Oscar movies. No, and they don't nominate streaming movies, which mm. I sort of have an issue. That's not with. true. Well, now they're starting to do that. They have a for the last bit. couple of years. Yeah. Um, Netflix has still not won Best Picture though. Yeah, they're they're trying. Oh, Apple didn't try it. They came in, grabbed Coda, and yeah. <laughs> won in their first year being nominated. Um, which yeah, sort of, it's just sort of weird. Do you blame them though for streaming movies because it doesn't feel like we're getting like that much quality out of streaming movies? More no, so, no, no, more so recently than but, like, but sometimes there's like these hidden gems in the Oscar. Until recently, like Coda and stuff, which sort of changed the game for that. That we do get that. Yeah, I just think streaming movies are at a all-time low for ever gonna yeah. be pretty like we we see some of these studios coming in, like napoleon which the trailer just came out today that's apple that looks really good that, that's, that's apple. apple that's not even the theaters well no so the apple because apple likes to actually yeah, they make money in the, they in put the their theater, theater okay, for good. a month beforehand that so, looks like you gotta see it in theaters right netflix hates money and they go you get glass onion for one week which i still can't get over that is the most insane thing that they've ever done you have an a literal money maker in the knives out franchise a proven and you refuse to let it be more than one week in theaters. And they, like, Apple also has Killers of the Flower Moon, which is coming out, so that they, they'll do right by that. But it, it feels like the whole year, you have 12 months out of the year, only two of them are dedicated to actual good movies <laughs> in streaming. Yeah. And then the ones that come out that are okay don't get any marketing, like we were saying in the last episode. No. They, there is a movie that just came out uh, like a week, two weeks ago on Netflix, Nimona came out on Netflix, and everyone's loving it. But there's no marketing for this thing. They don't care. <laughs> they just put it out, and they're just like, "Okay, bye." It's weird. the The movie industry is in an extremely strange. It is spot right now. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, like, in ten years from this time of movies, like, what kid is gonna have? Oh, my favorite movie came out and. 2024 or something because I don't see it happening I think some kids favorite movie is going to be Dune would be cool yeah could be cool <laughs> Dune's Dune pretty, Dune's Dune comes good. out this year Dune does come out yeah. this year that might do well yeah and I, I think I'm being a little bit like catastrophic and thing like oh the, the end like no people will still always go check out the new Marvel movie until they don't <laughs> but it's going to still get a lot of money Guardians proved it but also it's a known com- commodity yeah so stop I'll, going to see those movies Please. You know it's not going to so stop regardless. Like, they're still going to make movies. So sick of it. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what's coming out. Uh, yeah, so just for this week, um, there's a bit more for TV. Yay. Quarterback on Netflix. Yes. That looks really good. It's the Kirk Cousins, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Matt Ryan? Is it Matt? No, it's not Matt Ryan. There's no way it's Matt Ryan. He's not even oh, on the um, team. Uh, the Eagles backup. What's his name? He was on Atlanta. Marcus Mariota. Right, Mariota. That's that's who we were thinking of. That comes out. Looks kind of interesting. Not sure if I'll watch it. I'm not huge on docuseries. They've been doing really well with those. Netflix they, has they made have. a lot of good sports stuff lately. They have. That one's actually got marketing because they yes. have the NFL around it. Mm-hmm. The After Party is back. Season two on Apple. It's a really fun murder mystery show. First season was a lot of fun. Really liked it. Ben Schwartz was my standout. It's not going to be in the second season. I think they're they're following a very similar Knives Out-ish pattern with taking murder a couple mystery. characters and transferring I hope, them. I hope Murder Mysteries are the next 
action, like superhero movies, man. <laughs> I, I will really, always really like go them. see murder mysteries. I love a good murder mystery. They're fun. They are. They're really, really. Fun. They are the a only good, co- one of the only comedy movies that do come out in theaters. A good whodunit is worth its weight in whatever you put. There's in a lot of bad whodunits though. Like Clue. Clue was incredible. No, it was I, one of I'm the best a, movies I'm ever not, made. I'm not a Clue fan. That's a horrible take. Nah. It's coming from you last episode. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. That's an all-time line. <laughs> it's fine. It, it is the quintessential. Like, it is the first one. And there's that movie had, like, four different endings. That was cool. Yeah, but I watched them all in a row, so it wasn't as fun. So? Because it was like, here's the ma- real ending, and then here's all the al- alternates. And I was Which like, was the real one, that everyone did it? I don't remember. Yeah, it was Professor Plum was, wasn't gay the whole Tim Cur- time. Tim Curry was great in that movie. Yeah, he was great. That is a really good movie. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't like that movie. I am too. Um, you know what I found funny though? When they made Murder on the Orient Express, how can you make that a movie if it's the most famous ending twist to a whodunit in the history of time? I don't know. That doesn't really still work going. for me. Are people do people watch those movies? What was the second one? The, the Nile Death one? Death on the Nile, on the and Nile. then the other one was. They made a third one already? I thought yeah, that already came just out. came out. Oh. No. The, the, Oh no! Death in the Nile was last year. Yeah, I thought that just came out. The last new year. one comes out this year, <laughs> which is the Haunting in Venice. Okay, I, hey, I like them. I don't. Not a fan. I didn't. That series, I don't. I don't really care for. But, but yeah, Murder, uh, Mi- uh, Murder Mysteries. I, I really like. They they are good. So that is a really fun one on Apple. So go watch that one. I think it's weekly too. So that one will be stretched out a little bit. Sonic Prime. <laughs> what? Sonic Prime. There's a third. There, is this, is no, this so this is separate. Action? This is separate. Uh, you know how is you it a cartoon? Yeah, you know how you love multiverses. No, 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 no. That no, is no, Netflix's no. Sonic Multiverse. No, no, show. No, no, no. The animation is really ugly. Didn't, oh, didn't, what is this? <laughs> it got decent reviews. What is this? It's uh, Sonic. Doesn't look bad. No, it's all right. It's fine. It's more kids. I just thought I would mention it because Good. I want I as a kid who grew up on. The Sonic and Sonic comics and the Sonic lore and stuff. I want uh, them to use this correctly. Sonic is a uh, Sonic is hot right now. Good. I hope so. That blue hedgehog is hot. Everyone's want a piece of Sonic. Okay. And I love it. <laughs> I grew up with Sonic. Don't make that face. What was wrong with what I said? It was fine. Sonic is. I I grew up. I loved Sonic. Sonic 06, You know that Xbox game that came out. The really yeah, awful one. I grew up on Sega and. Well, yeah, you're Adventure old. Battle 2. Sonic Adventure 2. Okay, so I, I say Sonic 06. I played so much of that game, the versus mode in Sonic Adventure Battle. Oh, my God. They don't make them like that anymore. No. Those, those grinding levels. Still, so, still playing on my Xbox. I would jump on the pyramid to avoid, you know, when you were, like, getting into the pyramid. <laughs> you had to jump on it so you can run down just to, like, save two seconds of times. Are we, are we going to play some you Sonic said Adventure? There, Oh yeah, dude. Get it on Xbox. We'll play on. That. I have it on Xbox. Let's go. Why haven't we played it yet? Sixty uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Eight out of ten. IGN. Ninety percent people like this show. Seven point yeah. three IMDb. Nice. Yeah. Those are pretty good for a kids show. Most people like them. Animated show. Season two. He's a pirate. I think. Is where they left the show off. Yeah. Some we'll pirate some world. Pictures. He's got. He's underwater. Some pirates. Yeah. I don't like the new Sonic voice that they used in him. I don't love. I like. No. no. I. But I think Ben Schwartz. I'm getting like. I, I, I love like I love Ben Schwartz. Yeah. I'm getting used to hearing Ben Schwartz as Sonic. <laughs> oh, okay. So I think that I'm like, oh, it's not Ben Schwartz. And that's okay too, because if Idris Elba becomes my knuckles, I'm fine with it. <laughs> um 
I'm really getting over people naming everything Prime. It, it, it does come up a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little stu- like there's other words, guys. You have to no. call it Prime. Prime's the main one. Apparently. Anyway, what's next? What we do in the shadows, season five comes back. They're already on season five. Wow. They are. Nice. People are saying that this is last season wasn't as loved as the last couple ones. This one is getting a lot more love. Back, oh, back yeah. at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a very funny show. Better scores. Very funny. People were worried since Jermaine Clement left that it wasn't going to be able to capture up. Apparently, it's back to back to form. So, Excellent. Yeah, that's it for TV until Friday, which we will cover later in the week. Mm-hmm. As for movies, just one because it chose a really weird time to try to make as much money as it can before Christopher Nolan comes in and steals <laughs> away all of its IMAX screenings. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, the longest title in the world, mm-hmm. comes out on Wednesday. I will be there tonight. Oh, yeah. On date of recording. Just a couple hours, I will be getting my Ethan Hunt on. Over under how many times Tom Cruise runs in the movie? Should we set it at one one point five? The amount of times he runs? Way over. <laughs> but Way like over. but like the long stretched out, you know, like the long camera where he's just as fast as he oh, can. He's running. The first scene of the movie he's gonna be running. You think so? Oh yeah. Okay, so over under seven minutes that he starts but, running. Under. You take the under? I think he's running right away. Okay, I take the over. Okay. So I will time it. Good. I'll time it. We'll, we'll have that. Do 10. Do 10. 10 minutes? Ten you minutes. want 10 minutes? Ten minutes. Well, that that's a bit more. That puts me more at a disadvantage. I guess I have the whole intro to deal with. I, you you got to sit through There's the dun, a ding. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They usually do start off with a big thing. They do. Oh, maybe the over is not a good idea. That's okay. I'll stay over. I guess we can't both pick under because that would just defeat the purpose of it. All time song, by the way. The Mission Impossible theme yeah. song? It's a great series. It's up there. Uh, two and three are sort of bad, but it's a three. good series. I like three. That's the J.J. Yeah. Abrams one. I found the, um, oh, maybe it's two. Two's the one where they did two's so the John, much slow motion. Two's the John yeah. Woo one. Oh, so smooth. Do- doesn't fit the franchise. John Woo, great director, does not fit yeah, the that, franchise that, at all. That movie was bad. But it's very consistent, and it's only Which getting- one was three? Three. Ghost Protocol? Yeah, no, that's four. That's That's, four. that's Brad Bird's. The third one is J.J. Abrams. It's the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, good that, one. That good one's one. good. Two, two sucked. Two yeah. sucked. Sorry. Three. Yeah, there is there is some two truthers out there. No, no, it's the not. Slow it. motion scenes were painful. They get better though. Like Fallout was. Yeah, Fallout was great, incredible, and I've heard only good things. I heard it's Fallout, but also bigger, which is crazy because Fallout was already huge. Mm-hmm. As a Tom Cruise hater, I do love Mission <laughs> Impossible. Tom Cruise is going to try to get as much money as he can before Christopher Nolan steals away his IMAX it's screens, true. which is it is kind of strange, like. Couldn't they just convince Tom Cruise to push back one more week, and or like could be like, I He's guess here they, to save the summer. He he is, but it is a little worrisome that he won't have IMAX screens. Yes, because that's a huge source of revenue. So it is a little worry. And Oppenheimer is a three-hour R-rated film. God, it's probably not gonna do as well. It is Nolan, but yeah, it is. And Ten- it had a lot. Of, it has a lot of buzz. Tenet didn't grow, gross well, but that also came out in the the dead of COVID. Tenet did not do well. Yes. No. So I we'll see. That one is going to be an interesting thing to track. So we talked about box office like that. This is this is the time to start tracking the box office to see what happens. Like Indiana Jones and all the other ones, they're dead. Like they, now Wednesday is like the start of like this is if the box office is going to have a massive shift this year, it's it's now. So it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited to talk about Mission Impossible on Friday. You're going to get out and see it before then so we can talk about it? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll go see Mission Impossible. Cool. 
that's all the movies that comes out. Hell yeah. Then. What'd you watch this weekend? Ooh, what did I watch this weekend? Uh, I don't think I watched any movie this weekend. No? No. It was a busy, busy day for me. Finished The Bear? Yes, you did. That's what I finished. Put out a lot of my thoughts on the Twitter, but I think it's right behind Succession as my favorite season of the year. Heck yeah. So good. This show that I started because of food and that I heard that little thing that this is the uncut gems of the culinary world is turned so much more. The characters that I didn't like in season one are fully explored this season. They're given so much more depth. I think a lot of that has to do that they gave more time to breathe with the show. They gave it 10 episodes instead of eight. And there's one, there's two episodes in particular, the finale and episode six and oh, so I guess there's three, six and seven. Six is the, they, it's a one hour Christmas episode that is set in the past and puts more perspective into Carmi, who's Jeremy Allen White's character, life and the Rose Gallery of Guests in this episode. I don't. I guess it's been enough time. Can't, do you want me to tell you who's in this episode? No, I'm going to watch it. Never mind then. I also saw you post a photo of it. So it's not. A, it's everywhere. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is the mom. She's a rec- she's a recurring character towards the end of the season. Shh, hot take. Best performance I've seen from her. Oh really? So good. So good. And the way that they end off the season of building up Carmi. And exploring Car- and make trying to be like, oh, like maybe Carmi's getting better, and then they did flip it. Is it's it leaves all of its characters in such a good spot, and I'm honestly blown away by what I saw this season. Great character development, great writing, great shot. It, the show looks so good, so good, and I I love it. I'm so happy that I was able to catch this train before it took off to fever pitch because people liked season one. Yeah, people are loving season two. They can't get enough. Let's go. So I'm excited for this to be the the next big thing to continue. It's got a lot of legs. This show can go on for a long time. You think? Because the sh- the the restaurant just o- like it didn't even open open. It was rehearsals where they ended off season two. Really? So there's so much depth and longevity to this show that they can explore, and the character dynamics are so good. I'm so excited for the future of this show. Go watch the bear if you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> now is the time to get on. Have you seen the rental with uh, Dave Franco's movie? Yeah, Dave Franco and no, Jeremy Allen White. It's an interesting one. I just thought it. That's, you, that's are like, you a big fan of him? I, I am now. I, I've never seen yeah. him in anything before. Shameless. The Bear. Didn't watch Shameless. Not a shameless guy. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, that's all you watched? Last short weekend. About, yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, and Joyride. We've we had about. Criminal Minds going on in our house. Ooh. God. Yeah. Some bad writing in that show. Man. Yeah. Not, not very good. No. And uh, we finished the Rachel Zoe project. What is that? It's a 2008 Bravo reality show about Rachel Zoe, which is like a stylist for celebrities. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. Is it? No. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, not don't recommend either of those shows. Cool. So, uh, but that's what, the, what we've been watching in my household. Yeah. Gotta, you'll, you'll, you'll watch some better stuff for Friday, yeah. I think. I've been busy. I've been busy. It's been a busy time. You, sometimes you just got to put something on the TV. Absolutely. <laughs> Want to wrap it up? Let's do it. Beautiful. Well, thanks for... <laughs> You got to start learning how to do Hopping this. On. Dude, you play the music and then... It just throws it, your brain. It throws me right off, off there. 
Anywho, uh, that concludes this episode of Cinemates. You hope you enjoyed our discussions, and maybe you uh, maybe you see Jennifer Lawrence in a different way. Anyway, the cinematic journey doesn't end here, dear listeners. Join us on a future episode of Cinemates as we explore the vast landscape of film and television. Right here with me, Michael Jose Collins. Follow my Twitter, Michael Jose Collins on Twitter. Follow me, I'm at Jake underscore Schultz six, and follow our social media, please. It's so the many of Cinemates you keep pod. watching this. Just follow the, there is, the podcast. We Ooh. see the numbers. We know you're watching, <laughs> and also, so many of you are not followed, which is rude. Click that follow button, Spotify. Apple. Did you see that brain? Like I like, yeah. kind of lost we, it there. We've just been talking about a lot of Apple stuff. Too. Follow. Follow us, please. <laughs> anyway, until next time, keep seeking out those hilarious hilarious comedies, savoring the mag- magic, oh my gosh, of the big screen, <laughs> and discovering the talents of extraordinary actors like Jennifer Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on Cinemates. Bye-bye.